Thanks so much for joining us today on Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baranzo-Itacchio. This is Giuliano Caleri. Thanks again for joining us. It's Thursday, January 28th. Uh, we've had three really good Coppa Italia quarterfinal games. Oh, yeah. And uh, one waiting in the wings, which has the potential to be a screamer with uh, one all the drama going on surrounding Napoli, which we'll talk about a little later. But we're going to break down those three games for you. We're going to talk about match day 20. Match day 20, first game goes Friday. It's going to be Torino-Fiorentina. So we want to jump right in. We've got a very busy schedule. So let's do it. You ready, Giuliano? Of course. All right. Let's uh, let's start first and foremost with the Derby della Madonnina. What a game. Inter scraping it out 2-1 to one over AC Milan. Uh, there's a lot of drama in this game. There was a lot of you, if you follow Twitter or Instagram, they captioned, <laughs> I think, the 10 seconds between the altercation between Lukaku and uh, Zlatan. So Zlatan obviously getting under the skin of Lukaku. Zlatan gets two yellows in this game. Go, they, Milan goes down a man, and it takes to the 90th minute plus eight for who? My boy. Christian Eriksen. I believed in him since day one. To pu- to pull it off. Uh, what do you got to say about this game? What to say? This was classic derby. I loved it. It was a good uh, representation for the city, I think. Because you had Man U Liverpool playing uh, the past week. They faced each other twice, and it wasn't up to this no. caliber of play. It was so aggressive, so intense. I loved the the battle between Lukaku and Zlatan. I thought it was great. Um, This is a game that will be played back, and those clips of them going head-to-head will be played back for years to come. It was was a great game. Absolutely. See, the thing that uh, people don't understand, even though it was a grind, is that when you look at how Inter played and how Milan played, Inter totally outplayed them. This game should have been a blowout. It really should have. With the way Inter controlled the game, the amount of shots on target, Milan playing a man down after Zlatan gets, makes that boneheaded yeah. <laughs> foul. <laughs> like, when you have a yellow card, you're in the Derby della Madonnina, you already have a yellow card for descent to the referee. What are you doing? You know you're on a short leash, and you do that. Like, what's going on? Yeah, that wasn't a smart... Uh, it, and I... You know, I'm going to side with Milan fans on this one because I know a lot of them think it was a soft second yellow, which it was. But at the same time, Zlatan shouldn't be going in for a tackle like that. No. When Brahim Diaz was already going in. Yeah. Um, And the in, the inexperience of Brahim Diaz showed in that situation. It did. Because uh, he should have been saying, yeah, it was me, it was me that did the tackle, you know, and trying to convince the ref and so on and so forth. But Zlatan, he's like the father figure there. Uh, yeah. And that's what also led to his first yellow. After Romagnoli kind of shoulder barged Lukaku into the ground, it was a bit of a, a late challenge, and that whole kerfuffle started. Um, to take, the, I believe, to take the pressure off Romagnoli, Zlatan, you know, went right into Lukaku's face, and they started talking. Or Lukaku went into his face, but <laughs> Zlatan started talking to protect yeah. to protect his team. You know, he he wants the pressure to be on him, sure, so that everyone else can play their game, sure. Um, which has been stated many times, and I think that's why the ten started speaking out. And there is a bit of a history there. Three yeah. years they were uh, teammates at Manchester, but uh, yeah, is that ten the hero for a little bit, but also the uh, the villain? Yeah, for Milan at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a quick shout out here: uh, fellow Canadian made his debut. Yes, he is. 
playing for the English senior national team. He's already got his cap. But Fikayo Tomori making his debut for AC Milan in this game. For those of you that don't know, Fikayo Tomori, born in Calgary, uh, played in the youth system for Canada and then switched over to England for the senior team. But uh, cool to see a fellow Canadian in the Derby de la Madalena. Um, and he played great. He did. He, he did. A great game. He came in under pressure, just came from Chelsea. And uh, I think he's going to fit in really well. Yeah. AC he, Milan. He made a big block on Lukaku. He, Lukaku did a kind of a redeflected uh, shot. Yeah. And he slid tackled right near the goal line area and he blocked the uh, goal from occurring. So yeah. he was great. He put tons of pressure on Alexis Sanchez. Great performance to come in on his first uh, game, which is a Derby della Madonina, which yep. is a crazy, crazy debut. Not too many players can say they debuted in that match. Yeah. Um, so great showing from him. But what did we think overall about uh, let's give a positive and a negative for both sides. Okay. So we'll start with uh, Milan. What was what was the negative of their play, you you think? Oh, distraction with those fouls. Yeah. It was it was horrendous. This is a this is a derby. This is a huge statement game for both sides. And I just those just discipline, lack of discipline, I feel, from AC Milan is their weak point. But at the same time, when they went down a man, the way they shut up shop on Inter, and you you felt like it was a matter of time, and then it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. It looked like this was going to go the full stretch. And if it went the full stretch, AC Milan, who knows, may have been able to steal this an extra time or in a penalty shootout. Like, that's at the end of the day, that's what they were aiming for, hoping for a quick counterattack. Defensively, once they went a man down, I think they executed very well defensively. That's my positive for them. How about yourself? Uh, in regards to a negative, I agree. The discipline was a bit uh, overboard. I know a lot of Milan fans are going to think it's hypocritical coming from an Inter fan. They, a lot of them believe the ref favored Inter, which I think is completely wrong. Uh, there was countless uh, fouls being uh, done by Milan, which I yeah. think was which I think was part of their game plan. I think Pioli, being a former Inter coach, he Get knew in their head. he knows the weaknesses of this Inter team and exactly that. I think he knew if we could foul, do all these little fouls, would eventually break this Inter team, break the rhythm, and we'd beat them that way. But I think it backfired. They overdid it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, hence uh, the Zlatan Red. I think Rebic, too, should have been sent off. On he was bet. lucky not to. He That was one of the dirtiest He was fouls. really lucky not that to. That was one of the dirtiest fouls in the game. He knows what he's doing. He goes in and elbows Badella right in the face, mid-jump. Badella yeah. is lucky he doesn't land on his neck, and he lands straight on his back. That should have been a straight red. So Milan a bit fortunate not to get uh, multiple players sent off. Um but yeah, very aggressive. It was good, but overdone. Uh, one of the positives I would say about their play is the belief in this team is uh, is next level. They don't stop. They don't. They're very gritty. Uh, the way they block the shots of Inter, it reminded me of an old-style Italian team throwing their bodies on the line to s- prevent that ball from going in. And to bring it back, to bring it to Inter... It was the opposite. The one shot Milan got on net, they're not capable of blocking the shot. It goes right through Kolarov's leg, our favorite defender at Inter. Although he did play great going forward, he yeah. he was abysmal defending again. He couldn't block Zatan's shot, and uh, which led to the goal. A positive for Inter, or another, I'm going to throw another negative at Inter, uh, besides the defending, is their ball possession. It's so slow. 
Uh, I, I get it. At some points, you want to slow down possession to suck, uh, suck teammates or suck the opposing team in. I understand that, but when you, for instance, bring the ball to the left side, you start doing slow pass, and Milan comes. You got to rotate the ball to the other side as fast as possible. And they are yeah. so slow in their possession; it's too easy to read. And it, they didn't put Milan under pressure enough with that man advantage. I yeah. thought they could have done way better, which we saw in the Atalanta game with yeah. the red card. They played even better yeah. <laughs> with the man down because they move the ball quick. So a weakness of Inter is uh, slow ball possession. A positive I'll give them is uh, they do they look strong as a team. The midfield is great. They're they have depth in every position. They can bring guys off the bench that can make a difference, and the king of Milan showed Romelu Lukaku that he's one of the best players in Serie A. Uh, with this performance, I thought uh, he showed great character, even though, you know, that butting of heads was that time, that episode, I think that fired him up and that made a statement to show who the big dog is in, uh, in Milan. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, my positive, quickly, my positive and my negative for Inter, positive-wise, they control the game, depth as well they brought on Latauro, Erickson everybody they brought on made a difference in this game that was very rare to see it looks like they're finding their groove could this be a massive turning point for them possibly to build off of for the rest of the season weakness wise how many chances does it take yeah to grind out this win Mm -hmm. this should have been a blowout with the amount of possession the amount of shots on goal Credit to the keeper, though. Yeah, credit to Tataranzu. Tatar- Tatar- he yeah. he filled in amor- admirably for Gianluigi Donnarumma. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's credit to him, too. But uh, at the end of the day, you're a man up for almost a whole half. And you're Inter Milan. You're supposed to be a Scudetto contender. You need to take advantage and just run away with it. And they didn't. So yeah. That's what I would say is my weakness. Yeah, and, and when we preview this game uh, the week before, I was I mentioned how important this game would be for both seasons, and we saw yeah. what we saw what it meant after with Inter celebrations and the reaction of the Milan uh, reaction of the Milan players, how disappointed they were. This fixture was massive. What it means down the road, I'm not 100 percent sure. We will see as yeah. the storyline develops. When they do, they do play each other again. But for me personally, I believe. A game like this, although it's not a city, uh, you don't get points in the city after it. This sets the tone for the rest of the season. I think so. I think this is so morale boosting for Inter, and I think Milan now. There's a bit of disbelief creeping in into the squad. Yeah, I, I mentioned last week as well. Every big team they've come up against, the results haven't been good for them. Yeah, and uh, now with another loss to Inter. Within a few weeks, they've, they've lost a few games, which they're yeah. not used to on this run they've been on. You wonder, is the doubt going to start creeping in into this Milan team? Because uh, they do have all the injuries yeah. uh, coming in, which uh, actually which is another positive I wanted to say, actually. Milan, the amount of injuries they have and the way they're playing is, is great. But with these injuries at the same time, is the di- disbelief settling in and is uh, are the cracks starting to appear at Milan? Yeah, they could be. Um, my final point on this, though, that the one thing that does benefit them, if you look at their next three games, it's a great way to bounce back. So you mm-hmm. Spezia, Crotone, Bologna, great games to 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 come back, and then they got Europa League round of 32 against a team they should walk 
mop the floor with. So before they play Inter again, that's their next big game again is Inter Milan. So this will be the the tiebreaker of the Derby della Madonnina. Milan wins one, Inter's won one. Now the tiebreaker coming up in a few weeks. So it's going to be, if this game is fiery, that game's going to be it's gonna be something lights else. Out. Lights out. It just, but, I, I, uh, love, I love seeing this rivalry back. Yeah. Uh, it's been way too long since the Milan teams were, you know, making the headlines for these reasons in Italy. So it's good to see this uh, quality game, yeah. this type of quality game back. But Definitely. So want to move on. Let's move on from one crazy game to another. Atalanta, man down, still doesn't matter. Pulling off a three to two win over Lazio. I, I, this this Atalanta team, wow. Yeah, they. Uh, wow. There's something else. They sh- we all picked Lazio to yeah. uh, to get the win on them, which Lazio should have. In all fairness, they, they should have won this game. Um, they got nobody to blame but themselves. They did. Cherby, he scored a Lionel Messi-esque goal. He, he did. He dribbled through like three or four guys. Well, what can you say about today. this guy? This and guy's a stud. He is a stud, but then he screws up on the Alexi, Alexi Mirunchuk, our, our Russian uh, City A player here. And he screwed up on that goal. He got dispossessed, and Mirunchuk yeah. ran through when they were a man down at the line. They were a man down, and then they score. And then on top of it, uh, Peperina saved the penalty. So Atalanta could have doubled away with it double more because yeah after the after that red uh lazio really didn't do much i no. think simone and zaghi's got to be very frustrated with this for sure uh because this is this is a game that got away yeah and the one thing i will say is this was a massive game for lazio against the big team and who doesn't show up even when he comes off the bench Ciro immobile man disappears during big games he really does. He's like another Lorenzo Insigne. He preys on the small teams, racks up his goals, <laughs> gets his penalties. And then when it comes to the big games where they need him the most, especially with a man advantage, he can't do it. But credit to Atalanta, they shut him down. Yeah, they uh, they did shut him down. Uh, Atalanta was great. And this and this wasn't with their full starting lineup. They did yeah. have some key players. But may I reiterate how great of a player Christian Romero is. My Fantastic. goodness. He... He was involved in the uh, winning Fantastic. goal for the game. He was involved, I believe, in uh, Malinovsky's goal as well, if I'm not mistaken. He had yeah. a role to play just with his tackles. He wins so many balls in the air. It is it is unbelievable because uh, yeah. he's not the tallest, but his timing and his leap is next to nobody in the league. He He's such a great defender and uh, a real catalyst in this team. Massive pickup for Atlanta this, in the transfer window of the summer. Tell me Massive about it. Tell pickup, me about it. So. Credit to Atalanta. They played fantastic. This is a team that to watch out for. I know I said we're seeing the fall of Atalanta. I thought we were. But uh, this second half of the season so far, they've been lights out. Uh, the one blip is the 1-1 tie against Udinese. But other than that, they've been very consistent, having some crazy games, some big games. And they're showing how great they are. I mean, in, what, a week? They yeah. take Lazio out with a uh, man down, and then they totally destroyed AC Milan. Yeah. So what can you say about this Atlanta team? Lazio on the other side, I agree with you. Simone Inzaghi has got to be furious and frustrated. This is a game they should have won, in all honesty, especially with the form they've had, mm-hmm. uh, especially that humiliation of Roma. Coming off that humiliation of Roma, you would think that they'd be amped up. They'd be you know, hitting the ground running in this game. And they, they did at a, a point, but uh, they, 
just didn't work out for them. Yeah. So, yeah, 3-2 winners, Atalanta over Lazio, goal yeah. scorers Dijmisti, Mironchuk, and Malinovsky for the, the goal scorers for Lazio, Mariki, Mariki and Francesco Cerbi. So, yeah, that's the final result there. Yeah. And then uh, Juve, Spal, yeah. no surprises there. No, it was a complete, four nothing. no competition. That yeah. was with their their B team even. Uh, yeah. We knew that was going to happen. Yeah, Spal, Spal did good enough to be Sassuolo. So they made a good run. And now that sets us up for a massive game. Yeah. Enter Juve, semifinal, two legs. Huge. And then Milan plays the winner of... Na- or sorry, um, Atalanta. Atalanta plays the winner of uh, Napoli Spezia, right? Which we'll find out uh, later today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The good news with this, though, I believe this rule is still in place for teams like Spal and Spezia. So if you make the quarterfinals, you automatically get a buy into the round of 16, I believe. For next season. Italy, for Copenhagen. next season. So for credit to Spal and Spezia, they'll be in the round of 16 next season if that rule's still in place. So congratulations nice. to nice. them. That's quite an accomplishment. But uh, enough of the Coppa Italia. Let's move, into, uh, let's move into the games coming up. So Friday... Uh, we've got a bit of a interesting. It's interesting, but it's it's going to be a gritty game. Torino hosting Fiorentina. That goes at 2:45 Eastern Standard Time. And a very interesting stat about this, real quick, is Torino's one of the worst home team has one of the worst home records. They do have the worst home record in Serie A. They've got five points out of nine games. And then you got Fiorentina, the second worst away team. Uh, they've claimed five points in nine games on the road so there it'll be interesting to see what happens but uh the one thing about uh torino even with a big draw in their debut of david and nicola they are un they've only lost one in seven games in their last seven they've only lost once wow uh, i didn't expect that yeah but they've drawn most of them one yeah, win yeah. and and mm-hmm. five draws right and one loss in their last seven now what I'll say, Simone Zaza, huge brace for him in the last game against Torino. Or sorry, the last game for Torino. And what I see here is I see a turnaround point. Davide Nicola's had time now to figure out what he wants to do with Torino. And I think Torino's going to beat Fiorentina here in this game. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, just want to talk quickly about Fiorentina's signings. I don't want to go too much into depth yeah, of yeah, who yeah. there is pays, but they signed a new forward in Alexander Kokarin, who we were mentioning from the Russian Premier League, Russian International. Uh, speedy forward. He's come in to add depth to the uh, in a plan beat of Lahovic. Yeah. As well, they've signed uh, from Napoli uh, Calvin Malqui. So yeah. a new right back is in this team. So they got a few new pieces. Be interesting to see how he, Prendelli places yeah, them. It'll be interesting to see how Prendelli places them. And on the opposite side, we have a Torino team with two big injuries into the in their center back department. Yeah, Ninkulu and Armando Itzo with a head injury. Looks like he'll be missing this He's game. He's missing now. for sure. Funny, this game. funny how that happens. That happens eh? what, if anyone that listened to the last podcast, we thought he should have been subbed off. But uh, for that reason, I think simply for the fact that Torino is missing such key players in the core of their defense, I I do believe Fiorentina they're on a bit of a run. I think they're going to s- snatch a victory here. I just don't think having missing your center backs, your starting center backs, it doesn't allow you to play free. It kind of yeah. you have to take you know, go a gear down and protect your defense first because yeah. the belief isn't there in, in the uh, in the center back replacements, I don't believe. So I'm going to give Fiorentina the edge in this game. I think they play with a little bit more freedom. They have, I think, the better offensive weapons from uh, in terms of depth. Whether Zaza and Balotti play again will be interesting. 
Uh, I think they make a good one-two punch, but not enough to beat Fiorentina on this day for me. There you go. So Giuliano's telling to take Fiorentina. I'm telling you to take Torino. So our first disagreement right away. <laughs> That's Friday. great. Friday disagreement. Friday disagreement. Let's move on to Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bologna will be hosting AC Milan. I, so this is this rebound game we're talking this about. This is the rebound game. Bologna have now won. So after the 2-0 loss to Juventus, they have now won only once in their last 10 Serie A fixtures. Wow. Five draws, four losses, uh, and one win in their last 10. Uh, they are going home, though, where they have a pretty decent record. Four wins, two draws, three losses, coming up against an AC Milan team that's had one of the best starts they've ever had in, in club history and coming off a very sour a very sour loss very to sour. in a derby de la Madalina. And it'll be interesting to see um, because they are missing some key players. It looks like Chalanogu's not going to play, Diaz's not going to play, Gabia's not going to play, Kiar's not going to play, and Zlatan's not going to play. Is that ten injured? I I I'm not sure. I don't know if that red card translates. No, I think I think Zatan's available. I believe it carried over for Copitalia. But uh yeah, Mandzukic is even. I don't know if you mentioned Mandzukic. Mandzukic yeah. is out with an injury. So this already Mi- Yeah, this Milan team the injuries are piling up because they play such a high intense style they do. of football. And it's such a crammed schedule, right? Yeah. And it, it and it is catching up with them. This was the big question. Uh of Milan, will they be able to sustain this style of play for an entire season? Yeah. Now, like I said, they're going up to Bologna, a good rebound game. Bologna, that hasn't beaten them in forever. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen uh, here? I just see it's going to be an AC Milan bounce back. I, I, can't, I can't see Bologna coming out of this with a tie or a win. I can't see Lucas Skorupski playing back-to-back stellar games. I mean, he played a stellar game against Juventus, and they still lost to nothing. Yeah. So, I just think uh, I just think AC Milan's going to win, and you got to think that Sinisa Mihailovic is going to be on the chopping block very soon. Yeah, I think uh, Milan has enough quality, even with these injuries, to to pull a victory out here. Yeah. I think uh, they have the pieces, so I wouldn't be too worried as a Milan fan. Um, a Milan victory, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. we're both trying to take Milan. Let's move on to the next game. Sampdoria hosting Juventus at 12 p.m. And this is an interesting game. Our... Uh, our our buddy Nick has told us, always watch out for Sampdoria. They they play like garbage against the teams below them, but the teams above them, they always play spoiler, right? <laughs> and he's not wrong. So Sampdoria's chances of uh, getting into a Euro spot is getting better. They've won three of their last four games. And they're coming against, up against a Juventus team that just... Are, they, they came off a huge win against Spal. I think they needed that confidence-wise. Um... And as critics have sort of silenced on Andrea Pirlo just for the time being. Um, but uh, can Sampdoria pull something off here? So Andrea Pirlo is going up against a tinker man. No, I would I would say so. I think what Sampdoria's main strength is they are great at defending against passing teams. They are. But they're not great at defending against teams that will run the ball at you. Individually talented, uh, skilled dribblers. I think that's where Sampdoria is weak on the one-on-one defending. I believe Juve, that's how they love to play. Pirlo really doesn't like to play a possession-style game. It's all about get the ball forward to my dribblers and let the dribblers run at their respective defender into the box. And that is that is how uh, Juve loves to play. Yeah. So for that reason, I think Juve has more than enough weapons to beat 
the Sampdoria defenders one-on-one, and I think Juve actually gets a pretty easy win. I don't think Sampdoria troubles them too much. So for me, it's a Juve win based off their their dribbling ability in the squad. Okay. Well, I slightly disagree with you. I think, uh, I think Ju- Juve hasn't been consistent this season at all. They come, they have a massive game, and then they have a mediocre game. They have a massive game, mediocre game. They're not consistent. They can't string two or three dominant games in a row. And because they had a massive game, if you will, against Spa winning 4-0, this is where I think the mediocre performance is going to come in. And coming up against the Sampdoria team, that's very capable of claiming a scalp. So I'm going to say Sampdoria is going to sit, sit back, sit tight, invite Juve to come in. Uh, Balde Quita is going to scrape a counter-attacking goal or Fabio Quagliarella, and we're going to see a 1-1 draw. Fair enough, fair enough. So, so Giuliano's telling you to take Juve. I'm telling you to take uh, Sampdoria Juventus draw in this game. And the final game of the of the uh, Saturday, Inter. All, are, the big, all the big clubs are playing on the Saturday. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Inter hosting Benevento. Um, I... I mean, I don't have much to say about this game. I, I, I don't give. I don't think Benevento is going to do anything in this game. I think the momentum is totally with Inter. I am not an Inter fan. I'm just, I'm just telling you how it is. That that win this he, past he's a, midweek. He's a closet Inter. No, fan. I'm definitely just not. Doesn't want to admit no, it. No, no, I can't stand them. <laughs> um, I think the midweek game against Milan has really sparked their confidence. Has really brought them to a next level. You got Antonio Conte that already came out and said, I'm not selling Christian Eriksen anymore because of what he did. So you got some faith in Christian Eriksen again, and that's dangerous because now Christian Eriksen is going to get some confidence. He's earned a spot in this team, if you will, in quotations. So I think this is going to be the inter run that we start. And I think inter is going to win comfortably against Benevento. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I, I, you know, both teams are healthy, which is a big plus uh, coming to this point of the season. Especially, uh, which we mentioned last time, Nicholas Viola, the Benevento legend. Yeah. He is their linchpin in the midfield, great passer of the ball. He is in. That gives them a bit more um, options in the midfield. But at the end of the day, in, if I'm Inter here, I, I let Benevento have the ball, and I attack Benevento on the, on the counter. Benevento's biggest weakness is they leave so many gaps open. They play such a high line with uh, slow defenders. Um, I think Conte f- uses that to his advantage, and I think, yeah, Inter is going to win. I, I don't see Benevento threatening this uh, this Inter squad for goals just because there's really no size up front. They play with small, quick forwards that dribble, and I think Inter is more than capable of handing, handling that and, uh, and beating them on the counter with their speed and and uh, precise passing. And I would, I'd be curious to see if Erickson gets into the squad uh, for this uh, match day. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So let's move on to... Uh, so we're both telling to take Inter. Let's move on to the Sunday games. Sunday morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Spezia hosting Udinese in what is going to be a very interesting match. Both teams are have identical records. Identical. And... What's the uh, goal difference for them? Goals for or goals against? Do you have those off the top of your head? So Udinese, 20 goals for, 28 against. Uh, Spezia, 26 goals for, 36 against. So Spezia scores more and concedes more uh, than Udinese. And uh, both sitting in 14th, 15th, level on 18 points. As I said, they have the exact same record right now. Four wins, six draws, nine losses. It's going to be a relegation battle. That's what it is. It is. And one one of our favorite players is uh, not going to be 
in yeah. the Udine squad. Kevin Lasagna has gone over to Hellas Verona with a loan uh, with an obligation to buy for rumored around $10 million. I don't understand that, but uh, I guess we'll get into that when uh, we talk about the Hellas Verona game. But the big thing is they've brought in Fernando Llorente uh, from Napoli, and they're rumored to bring in Patrick Cutrone on loan. So basically what they're doing, in my opinion, it's a lateral move. You're basically replacing Stefano Okaka and Kevin Lasagna with Patrick Cutrone and Fernando Llorente, who play the exact same way as Kevin Lasagna and uh, <laughs> and Patrick Cut- um, uh, sorry, as Kevin Lasagna and Stefano Okaka. So it's just a different name, same style. I don't think it's going to work. hope I'm wrong. Um and uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, this will be a huge game. This is this is a big, big game because whoever loses this game is going to be in the fight for their life for the rest of the season. Could it be Udinese or will it be Spezia? Uh, at the end of the day, a Spezia is playing more exciting football. Udinese is just stubborn to to a stubborn defense. I don't think Fernando Llorente can gel that quick. Um, Patrick Cutrone is not even there yet, and Kevin Lasagna is already gone. I mean, I know they have so basically they have nobody. They have DePaul and Pusetto. That's it. And Pusetto, I believe, is injured, so they got uh, they have nobody. They have a young Pitar Michin, Slovenian, yeah. and uh, Nestro- Nestrovsky, yeah, North like, Macedonian. Really, they're they're depleted up front. And Fernando Llorente, like we said, we're not too impressed with them. Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm gonna give the Edge to Spets in this game. I think so too. They I are am. they are missing two of their strikers, Nazola and Piccoli, but they can bring in Andre Galibanov, who started the season for them. Yeah, who's proven he's more than vital to score goals. He scored a a, a big, I think, penalty. Yeah, right in their previous Coppa Italia match where they knocked out their opponent. They have more healthy players in their squad. They I haven't th- made many transfers, so like no, it's, I, it's the same squad. Yeah, so I, it's good. I love I love the way Spezia play, and yeah. if and if uh, the Roma fixture is indicative of how their season's going, I think uh, they'll do they'll do great here. I think uh, Spezia win over Udine. I would like to agree with you. I I think you said all the right. I agree with you on everything that you said about Spezia. But here's the thing: Spezia's got a big game today against Napoli, and then they got to play Sunday where Udine has been sitting. That's right, Udine has been that. sitting, preparing. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, you're going to see a draw in this game. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it's going to be indifferent. They're going to sit. They're going to be happy with a tie. And so for that reason, I'm going to say Spezia and Udinese are going to tie this game. Sounds good. I'm going to keep mine still. Now, you ready to move on to this cracker of a game? Yeah. We get them again. Bottom bottom of the table. Uh, which Picture one? Here. Which one are you talking oh, about? I was talking about Atalanta Lazio. Oh, Atalanta Lazio. Okay, 9 let's do Let's do that. Okay. Sorry. Let's. Uh, this game's gonna be. It's it's a rebound game from Coppa Italia. You gotta you gotta think that Lazio's sour from getting knocked out by ten men Atalanta. Atalanta flying high right now. They are hosting them in Bergamo, and uh, some injuries. Not huge, huge for Atalanta. They can get by. Uh, Hans Hattabor, Palomino, and Pasalic are out for this game. Uh, the real, no real injuries or anybody out for Lazio. So Lazio's got a relatively healthy team. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. Luis Alberto's out. Is he out? Of the squad. Okay. And Luis Felipe are out of the squad, oh, too. I didn't know so that. So they're missing, they're missing two big uh, players, a defender and a midfielder. Uh, Atalanta, on the other hand, yeah, is relatively healthy, minus the players you mentioned. Um, 
but this is a tough question because Luis Alberto, he is he's pretty much been uh, Lazio. Yeah. He works in the engine room. If he plays great, they always win. But I I believe Lazio showed enough to win the the previous game with just uh, Akpro and and uh, Muriki. Sorry, not Muriki in the midfield. Uh, Milinkovic Savic. Yeah. They showed that they have enough to beat uh, Atalanta in their Coppa Italia game. It just yeah. luck was luck wasn't on their side. Yeah. Um, will so Cheeto show up for this game too? Will Cheeto show up? I think Simone Inzaghi, he doesn't get uh, beat twice like yeah. this in this manner. Um, so I am still going to stick with Lazio again in this fixture, and, I, and I'm going to say a Lazio victory here. I agree with you. I think Lazio's going to come out. They're going to be sour about their loss, and they're going to make a statement in this game. Atalanta have been flying high since the start of the, since the, start of the second half of the season or the start of the new year. Uh, except for, like I said, the one blip against Udinese. Can they keep it going against a Lazio team that's just stubborn to beat? I don't think so. And for that reason, I got Lazio to win. Sounds good. So we're both trying to take Lazio. The relegation battle, you're talking about Genoa Crotone? Yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let's go to Genoa Crotone. Let's talk about that game. So Crotone hosting Genoa. Genoa have been doing pretty well as of late in the Davide Ballardini area, era. And Crotone, at the same time, this is the kind of team they want to play. This is a team around them that they have to beat. Uh, in order to try and get out from the bottom of the table. They've been in the basement all season long. Can they move up a place? Uh, that's the big question. Uh, relatively healthy squad for Crotone. Uh, relatively healthy squad again for uh, for Genoa. In my opinion, uh, Genoa smashed them last time. I think it was 4-1. to 4-1, to one, they sm- yeah. Four to one, they smashed them. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think it's gonna happen again. I don't think a smashing is gonna happen, but uh, Genoa, as I said at the start of the season, this team wants to get it, wants to clinch survival in Serie A a lot earlier at, in this season than they did last year. I think it was at the last day that they just made it out. That way, they can focus on building off this season and, and, and improving the squad and moving up the table next season because this team needs to stay in Serie A. It's a historic team. For that reason, Genoa's going to win. Yeah, I uh, like I said, Davide Ballardini doesn't convince me. He hides behind his shades because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing with this club. He just, I'll give know the one positive he's brought to this club is organization and defensive uh, solidity that's what he brings to the picture after that this guy's a lost cause he'll be gone uh, next season next season yeah, yeah. hands down guaranteed you can put your mortgage on it but uh don't do it because I said it <laughs> uh, but Davide Balladini I don't think's a great manager but on the other hand you have Crotone who are pretty much they're a hopeless team they uh, are kind of so Going forward, they really don't. Just Junior Messiah. They don't, you know, ignite the imagination. It's just Junior Messiah and see me. They they can do it, but like we said with Genoa, the defensive solidity now it's it's uh, it's good, and I don't see Crotone breaking down the Genoa defense. So I I will lean towards a Genoa uh, win or a draw. I just don't see Crotone. They don't have a chance at getting victory here unless uh, something lucky happens. And Skamaka, on the other hand, for 
not that he's been being used recently, but Genoa seems like he might be heading to Juve now Juve, officially. Yeah. They're meeting today to talk about yeah. it. So, so expect Destro up there maybe for another uh, showing. Yeah, you never know. Anyway, so I'm telling you to take Genoa. Giuliano is telling you to take Genoa as well, possibly a draw. Let's move on to the next game. Cagliari hosting Sassuolo, a Sassuolo team that's might have they fallen. Uh, top six, it looks like they've fallen out of. Uh, coming up against a Cagliari team that's in the relegation zone that has a Eusebio Di Francesco that just got a nice extension, even though they're in the relegation <laughs> zone. I don't get it. Our mind, yeah, we don't, mind we blown. don't understand. I've never that. seen that before. Um, <laughs> and but uh, he's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ole at the wheel. Yeah, he'll, he'll figure it out. Before you know it, Cagliari is going to be first place in Serie A, and yeah, right. everything Never will gonna be happen. good. Never going to happen. Um, I'll tell you right now, Sassuolo is really good at beating up on these teams below them. And even though they're missing a key player in Domenico Berardi, I still think they have more than enough quality to beat this Cagliari team that concedes the most shots on goal. Uh, one of the most shots on goals in uh, all of Europe. And with when you, guy, when you got a guy like Ciccio Caputo that can score, Juric that can score, Locatelli that can score, game over. Sassuolo wins this game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be quite interesting this game, but Ardi's a huge, huge mess. Um, but like you said, he's really the only player that's missing. You have Locatelli, who's been one of the best midfielders uh, in Serie A. He should be in this game. Um, so yeah, I would expect a Sassuolo win. Uh so Suolo's weakness is going to be, can they stop the wing attacks of Liko Giannis and Zappa? That's going to be the big biggest one. thing. But let's see if Eusebio, this, he's got this new contract. If he can figure that out, let's see if he pushes his wing backs up. Let's see if he plays a more wider formation. He likes to play very narrow in counterattack, which isn't working anymore for them. He has to switch it up. I'm curious to see if he plays more expansive against a team like Sassuolo and uh, see if he can create those chances because Sassuolo definitely can be got at. They're not uh, a great team defensively. So, But I will take uh, Sassuolo because Caledi, they do concede way, way too many shots. Yeah, so we're both trying to take Sassuolo in this game. Now, second last game, 12 o'clock, Sunday afternoon, Napoli hosting Parma. This should be a – this would be a usually straightforward – prediction but with all the drama going on in Napoli I don't know well we'll see if Gattuso even has a job after today's yeah fixtures. so apparently De Laurentiis is sounding out replacements for Gennaro Gattuso after he just gave him an extension earlier this year clearly there's a there's discontent between the players and Gattuso De Laurentiis is siding with the players it looks like which is a shame which, He's not back yeah, in the manager here which is a shame he's done that forever and it's come back to bite him in the ass every single time so yeah it's it, know, it's a shame. He's never gonna learn. No, he's never gonna learn, and uh, it, I I'll say it again. It's it's an absolute shame. Um, so who like who you get rid of Gattuso? Who are the replacements even gonna be? I don't know. He's I know I know they were thinking of Rafa Benitez. Yeah, Rafa. They are. He already has been in talks with Rafa yeah. Benitez. And, <laughs> and why would you want to bring that guy in? I don't, I don't know. Who's who recently is most recent? Uh, it was uh, in China. In China, yeah. his most recent oh, sorry, managerial yeah. job, and Newcastle is also pushing for Rafa Benitez. So there's going to be a bit of competition, but yeah, but look where Newcastle is in the Premier League. This no, I know. Do you really want a guy that's going to go coach but Newcastle? Bruce, but Steve Bruce, he's on the uh, he's on the chopping block, and Rafa Benitez is a legend there, and they're thinking 
voted by. I doubt that will happen anyway because yeah. Mike Ashley and it was this like his third or fourth. They stint left on there? a bad note. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, who you bring in Rafa Benitez? Who cares? This team. Yeah. That's why this team does nothing. Napoli. They go. They go nowhere. They always yeah. move laterally, laterally, laterally. They never go up, down. It's always the same garbage from this team. Yeah. And here's the thing: you've had Maurizio Sarri. Okay. The great. He's been their greatest manager been, in recent. Yeah. Time. Um, the other one you had, you had arguably one of the most successful coaches, Italian coaches in history in Carlo Ancelotti, and even he couldn't do it for you. Yeah. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it's the players. It's not the coach. The it's players, definitely the players. Yeah. The players are all prima donnas. Well, there's a certain group of there that are prima donnas. Uh, they, they don't back up. Uh, they don't put their money where their mouth is when it comes to crunch time. And uh, it's just poor attitude, but De Laurentiis is siding with them. And uh, it looks like if, if Napoli loses this game against Spezia, Gattuso won't be on the bench on the weekend, which is a shame because he's really done wonders with this Napoli team. He's made them competitive, made them hard to beat. And uh, depending on what happens with this Napoli-Spezia game, I don't know how to call this Parma-Napoli game. Yeah, I... You know, I'm I'm tempted to call the Parma upset, but when I yeah. look at when I look at the injury list, I can't because you you have Bruno Alves out, you have uh, the Swede Ricardo Galliolo out left back, you have Jordan uh, Osorio out as well. That's their that's their starting defense is all out. So how how could we pick uh, Parma? It's, it's difficult. You um, can't. So if, if Parma does an upset here, don't be surprised be surprised because <laughs> really? they, sh- they shouldn't be doing an upset here Parma with the squad being so depleted they have nobody they have no defense they're a mess yeah but if anybody's de- gonna lose entire if, defense is missing if if Napoli is gonna lose this game they're the biggest they're their own net worst enemy yeah 100 percent. but at the same time when you're missing yeah. your half your starting lineup Napoli no matter how much of uh Mass they're in, they should be winning this game. We've seen crazier things. We but, have, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna call Napoli win for now. I will too. All right, so we're both time to take Napoli. Let's move on to the final game, the rematch. Roma hosting Hellas Verona. What a mess Roma is! Holy cow! Are we they, are. Are they gonna forfeit another? There's a lot <laughs> of drama victory. going on. Um, there's a lot of drama drama going on. We'll talk about it real quick. So Stephen Al Sharawi is. His, po- his medical with Roma has been postponed a few days because he's actually tested positive for COVID-19. So until he gets a couple of negative results, he can't have his medical. So obviously ineligible to play right now. It's The medical is a formality. Uh, then he can officially sign his contract and be available for Paolo Fonseca to select. We don't know what's going on. Edin Zeko, uh, he'll be gone by the end of the transfer window. He's been frozen out of the squad. Uh, I know uh, Tiago Pinto tried to be the mediator between Paulo Fonseca this week and Eden Zeko. They couldn't come to an agreement, and Eden Zeko is just being Eden Zeko. So see you later. Thanks for nothing. Um, I'm actually <laughs> no happy. hard feelings. Yeah. No hard feelings. See I'm actually later. yeah. If you're gonna be like this, see you later. Ciao. And uh, I, I'm glad that we're sticking with the manager here. We saw what happened between Papo Gomez and Giampiero Gasparini. Papo Gomez, by the way, has moved over to Sevilla. Uh, signed his contract, so he's over in Spain. Uh, but uh, sticking with Gasparini, look what Atalanta have done as a team, right? I think we can see the same thing. Uh, but Paolo Fonseca is still not safe because Max Allegri is open to taking over Roma. So he's on. So Paolo Fonseca is on a short leash. 
Who would you want right now as your manager? <laughs> I, I think I think you need to stay with Paulo Fonseca. If you had the chance to sign a Luggity right now, I think you need to. I think you need to stick with Paulo Fonseca. I believe in the Paulo Fonseca project. He ha he has his style of play that he wants to play. He's improved this Roma squad over with all the garbage that's been going on. I would stick with Paulo Fonseca. Max Allegri, he did amazing with Milan. He did amazing with Juve. Look at those. Look at the names of those two teams. Okay. Oh, okay. AC Milan and Juve. Right, right, right. I, I Max Allegri, he's a great coach. I don't know if he can do it with this Roma squad. I just he his style of play doesn't fit this squad. That's at the end of the day, that's my opinion on it. Stick with Paulo Fonseca. We're seeing some positives here. I think Paulo Fonseca's got a good relationship with the Roman man, Lorenzo Pellegrini, and that's the best thing you want. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Nicolo Zaniolo returns, how he slots in uh, in a couple of months. The wannabe playboy over there. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but uh, I think with all this drama going on, you want to see a united Roma. You want Roma to make a statement in this game. Roma fighting for top four survival. Uh, the good news is Atalanta, that's breathing down our neck, is playing Lazio, hopefully. And Lazio's trying to sneak into the top four. That's a big big game there that hopefully Lazio can do us a favor as much as I hate to say that um, but uh, this is a game that I think Roma should win uh, they'll be definitely pissed off with how the result with, with the result from last time it ended in a draw last time right ended in a draw but uh, on, on paper on paper on, on paper it was a disqualification it was but a disqualification the... because uh, Baldassoni who now works for Hellas Verona <laughs> uh, submitted what a mess yeah so you you definitely want to see a Roman statement here. I think Roma's going to win this game. Hellas Verona, on the other hand, have brought in Kevin Lasagna. Solid team game. They're going to play defense. Um, they're going to sit back and and uh, they're going to sit back and wait for a counterattack. That's how this Hellas Verona team plays. I would like to see Roma give Hellas Verona the ball and say, "Come at us," and see what happens. Totally get in their heads. Because uh, we all know when that when Roma plays the possession game, they expose everything in their all the gaps in their defense, and that would be their massive weakness. So if Roma plays a possession game, I'm scared that it won't, the result won't go our way. But uh, I know mentally the Romans and the the Roman fans and the Roman team, uh, they want a solid performance. We want to stand behind Paulo Fonseca. The guy deserves a chance. They brought in Thiago Pinto. Uh, it could be a huge collaboration between the two of them uh, for the future. And uh, the way they have uh, handled this Ed and Zeko garbage has been uh, – I, I want to I commend them on how they've handled it. We're sticking with the coach. See you later, Ed, and go train separately. Get out of here. And uh, Borea Mayoral, I'm so excited to see you start this game, hopefully. So I'm going to say a Roma win in this game. Roma win. Okay. I don't know about that, to be honest. You never know. Uh, Pedro's out. Mkhitaryan is out. These guys are going to be fighting to get healthy for kickoff. They have a few days because it is the last kickoff, right? Yeah. Um, so whether they're going to be there or not, we don't know. And our boy is now on Hellas Verona, Kevin Lasagna. I'm going to... I'm gonna. <laughs> Kevin Lasagna is going to score against Roma. I'm calling no. it right now. No way. He's going to... Because Roma... No way. Roma's weak at defending counterattacks. They have a, three mistakes in them a game defensively they concede so many shots from long range and they're not they're, they're very poor defensively Roma and I think with this new weapon this secret weapon Kevin Lasagna he is gonna get a goal off the counterattack. and I think with the great goalkeeping of uh, Silvestri the new midfielder Stefano Storaro 
in the midfield, they're going to shut down this Roma team, especially if those two are injured. I don't think Roma has any teeth to attack with, and I'm going to call a Hellas Verona upset here. You're forgetting about the man behind Borja Mayoral, Lorenzo Pellegrini. You're forgetting about I that know. man. Pellegrini, he is the man. I, I love Pellegrini. I he think he's a man. great player, but we can't discredit what this Verona team has done all no, season. No, they've and done a fantastic job. And they cause upsets, this team. They do. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think mentally, this Roma team knows how important this game is, and we're going to make a statement. We're not a joke. We're a serious top four team, and we're winning this game. Serious Europa League team. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, I'm telling you to take Roma. Giuliano's telling you to take Hellas Roma. Hellas. Hellas. Go for it. Go Hellas. For it. That's fine. I can't wait until we talk Sunday night. Be rubbing <laughs> it in your face. Um, so that recaps. Uh, that that basically sums up. If, Lasa- yeah. if lasagna scores, I expect a nice big piece of lasagna here. Okay, no problem. No problem. He's not gonna score. He's probably not even gonna get. A, he's probably gonna get maybe ten minutes. They're not gonna start him. There's no way. Um, so that sums up our preview for match day twenty. Uh, hopefully, it's gonna be an exciting match day for all of you to enjoy some crazy games and uh, let us know your thoughts let us know your questions uh before we before we go i just want a canadian premier league wise i uh, just wanted to i don't know if you've heard the news so montreal manic uh football association i'll say it real quick so the montreal manic were a montreal team in uh were the montreal team montreal manic were the montreal based soccer club in the north american soccer league back in the day and uh, when it folded, they became an academy. They have an affiliation partnership with the Glasgow Rangers, a very long-standing relationship. Uh, they're based in the greater Montreal area. They had a huge announcement yesterday where they came out and said they want to uh, they want to push to have a team in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the articles are in French. So re- in reading the French articles, um, my uh, my translation of it basically says that uh, they are looking for investors, supporters to support this this Montreal push to get a team in the Canadian Premier League. So Montreal Manic would come into the Canadian Premier League, possibly a partnership with the Glasgow Rangers, which would be huge. And uh, it looks like it would kind of follow the Green Bay model where majority of the ownership is public ownership. And then you have a couple of uh, big investors as well. So... Um, there is a hashtag if you follow Twitter. It's hashtag bring back Lemanique for the CPL. Please use it. We'd love to support them. We'd love to see a team. We need to see one or two or possibly three teams in the Quebec province. Uh, there's some rich soccer there. And uh, would love to see this uh, this come to fruition. So please support the Montreal Manic uh, Football Association. Bring them into the CPL so the CPL can hear. And please use the hashtag bring back Lamenik. Before we leave, some breaking news. Mikatarian uh, is back in training, so it looks like he may be available, at least to be on the bench. Luis Alberto looks like he will be back for Lazio. And as well, there's a, a transfer, last-second transfer, looks like, going through uh swap deal between Jekyll and Alexis Sanchez. Wow! That's uh, in the works right now. So Ro- Roma <laughs> enter <laughs> about to exchange players Holy here. Holy It smoke. seems. We'll you know see, what? We'll see if it happens. If it happens, that would work for us. And I think it would work for Inter. So that's why I could see I could see this deal coming You get through. your backup to yeah. Romelu. Which has been Inter's biggest weakness. Yeah. And, and Sanchez can gel with Borja Mayoral. Mm-hmm. It would work. 
both teams. Yeah, it works for both we'd teams. We'd be down. We'd be down like a big forward for depth, but it might work. Yeah, I think that'd be uh, an interesting move. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Ben Asser, uh looks like he'll be back in the lineup for AC Milan too, yep. which is a big, big miss for them He's uh, since he's been out. So those are the big signings. Uh, or sorry, big returns for uh, the respective teams. Yeah. Well, with that, enjoy the games. Enjoy, enjoy the, the weekend. Games. We'll be back uh, after match day 20 to recap. And with our good friend Nick. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Ciao, ragazzi. Yeah, until next time. Ciao.